uh, is uh, trying to understand through the prophet Isaiah and uh, his uh, promise that comes to us in uh, the ninth chapter of Isaiah. So if you got your Bibles or want to pull your app out, that's where we're going to stay, right there in that ninth chapter uh, of Isaiah. Uh, and try to understand week by week here, uh, who is this one that showed up? And we're going to try to understand that through the titles that Isaiah uh, gives the one who is to come, the titles that Isaiah gives uh, Jesus, okay? Uh, and keep in mind what's going on here is the prophet Isaiah is speaking in a time uh, when God's own people, the people of Israel, uh, are not walking with him. In fact, if we go back to Isaiah 8, the chapter right before um, the, the prophecy about Jesus, we see the situation there, right? If you remember from last week, we did this. We'll do it real quick again, just so you don't forget it. Uh, but notice he says, The Lord has given me, so this is Isaiah, given me a strong warning. So he's speaking a word uh, of warning to God's own people. Why do they need a word of warning? He says, He's given me a strong warning not to, that you should not think like everyone else does. So what are the people of God's own people doing? They are thinking like... Everybody else does, right? So they, they have decided to be like everybody else in the world. And if they're going to be like everybody else in the world, it means they're not being God's own people. They've decided they're just going to blend into and become like everybody else out there. And instead of being God's own people, they're just fitting in. Do you remember junior high? Right? That's where they're at. They're just fitting in. They're being like everybody else. And instead, Isaiah comes along and says, no, wait a minute, you're God's people, and that's not who God's people are. And so you pick it up in, in verse 13. He says, make the Lord of heaven's army holy in your life. So the problem seems to be they're fitting in and becoming like everybody else in the world, and they're not letting God be in charge of their life. And so he speaks to them this word of warning. And if you go to verse 20, he says, Look to God's instructions and teachings. People who contradict his word are completely where? In the dark. Thanks, you're awake. Uh, yes, you're completely in the dark. Now, what's important here, and we didn't do this last week, is look closely at verse 20. And I separated it from everything else. Look closely at verse 20. At the first half of verse 20, he says, look to God's instructions and teachings. And then he contrasts that with people who don't do that, saying the people that don't do that are living in the dark, which means the possibility exists that you can live not in the dark, but you can live in the light. You see the difference? You see, he's saying, listen, if you don't do this, then you're living in the dark, which means the possibility exists that if you do do this, your life can be in the light. You see, there's a simple truth involved in the text. The simple truth. The simple truth is, listen, God wants you to live an incredible life in the light. He does not want you living in the dark because he knows what happens when we wander around in the dark. And that's the rest. 20, verse 21 and on describes wandering around in the dark. And so Isaiah gives a word of warning because God's desire is that each one of us 
would not live like the rest of the world, but would live as own people so that we can live in the light and have the kind of life that he wants for us. And so along comes the prophecy, starting in verse 6, saying, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders. He'll be called Wonderful Counselor. Did that last week, remember? Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Today we look at Mighty God. Okay, It's going to take a mighty God for us to be able to move from darkness to light. It takes a mighty God. We know this right away from the book of Genesis, right? And this is a simple truth again, that God is the God who creates and manages light, and He is the God that has the capability to constrain darkness. You go to Genesis 1, it says, Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. Who creates light? He does. That means you don't. You with me? He's the creator of light. He's the one that says, let there be light, and there was light. That means you and I are not in the light-creating business, but He is. And more than that, next verse, and God saw the light was good. That's where He wants us. Then He separated the light from the... Who is able to constrain the darkness? Not us, but a mighty God. This is important. Not only does He want us in the light, but He has the ability to create that light in our life and constrain the power of darkness in our life. The difficulty is that's what He does. That's not what we do. That's all about what He does. Because He is exactly who Isaiah says in the prophecy. He is a mighty God. He is a mighty God. Let's look at each word. First one is mighty. Hebrew is gibor. means might, strength, warrior. I've given you two passages side by side where gibor is used. And one is out of Joshua and the other out of Samuel. Joshua is when the people of God were going into battle to take over the promised land. It says, so Joshua rose, all the people of, uh, got all the people of war to go up against I, chose 30,000 mighty men of strength. There it is, right? So there's might and there's strength. Then you go down to Second Samuel, David defending Israel. It says, these are the names of Davis, David's mightiest warriors. So you get might and you get warrior. This is an important distinction. When we hear about the prophecy that Jesus is a mighty God, you need to understand that that word is always used within the context of a battle. It is might and it is strength, but it is might and strength, like in these verses, exercised for God's purposes to constrain the darkness. It is the the idea that we have a mighty God. We have a mighty warrior who is ready to fight on our behalf to bring us in the light and constrain the darkness. And this is not just any mighty warrior. This is mighty God, right? Last word, L, God Almighty, the one true 
God. Not like any other God. He is the one true God, right? This is a mighty warrior, and he is a mighty God like no other God. Now, in the New Testament, the Gospel of John picks up this this understanding of uh, Jesus being mighty God that is God in flesh. Uh, In the first chapter, he says, In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was who? It was God, right? Then you jump down a little bit, and it says, So the Word became what? Human. See it? What's he telling us? Well, just what Isaiah is saying. Mighty God. Jesus is the one who became God in our midst. We sing the song, right? Emmanuel, God with us. So Isaiah is telling us, look, this isn't just anybody. This isn't just any warrior. This is a mighty warrior who has the power and the abilities that go with being divine God. And we can see that in Jesus, right? He comes into the world, he grows up, and he exercises divine stuff. And so he sends his disciples on the boat. He climbs in. They're going across the lake. Giant storm comes up. Jesus is taking a nap. Disciples get all upset, thinking they're going to drown, right? And they say, you know, Master, Master, we're going to drown. And Jesus wakes up, and he rebukes the wind and the raging waves, and suddenly the storm stops, and all is absolutely calm. Then he asks them, where's your faith? And the disciples were terrified and amazed. And they asked the important question, who is this man? They asked each other, when he gives a command, even the wind and the waves obey him. Here's the truth. He is a mighty God. That means he can do things you can't do. The disciples in that boat did not have the capacity within them to calm the storm. Who did? Jesus did. It took them to understand that they were lost without the power of a mighty God working in their life. Same is true for us. Here's the biggest challenge. We have a mighty God, but are you ready to be what he is not? What, uh, what, are you ready to be who you are and let him be who he is, a mighty God? It means you, you aren't. It means you aren't. Let me prove this to you, okay? In your handout, hopefully you got that before you came in. You got a half sheet with all the sermon notes that I worked all week on just to give this to you so you can take it home and study it, right? Grab your half sheet real quick. You ready? I'm going to prove this to you. What I want you to do is take your half sheet and fold it in half, okay? Just fold your half sheet in half. How many think you could rip that? Don't do it. How many think you could rip that in half? Two people think they could rip that in half. Okay. Good. I don't need this message then. You already understand. You can't do it on your own, right? Yeah. No, you, you know, a lot of you could probably do that, right? Okay, now so fold it in half again. How many think you could rip that? Yeah, a few more. Okay, you're still with me, right? Fold it in half again. How many think you could rip that? It's getting fewer. Fold it in half again. How many can rip that? Yep, not too many showing up. Fold it in half again. How many can rip that? It's even hard to get a handle on that, isn't it? You you see what's going on? You see, what deceives us is we think that we can handle the little things. The trouble is we need a mighty God because there's just too many things in this broken world that we just can't handle. 
We just don't have the strength inside of us to be able to do it. Why? Because we're not who He is. He is exactly what we need. That's why the Father sent Him to be in the world with us, to do what we can't do. What does He do? Well, we just went over it. God is the one who creates light because we can't. God is the one who constrains darkness because we can't. What does it mean? For us, it's to realize we can't, but He can. We have a mighty warrior, a mighty God who is in our world and ready to work on our behalf. Is there anybody in the room that needs a mighty God in their life? Absolutely, right? Anybody need a miracle worker in their life? Is there anybody who needs a world changer in their life? Is there anybody who needs a situation guy who can come in and change the whole situation in a moment? Absolutely. And that's why he sent them. Because God already knows what we need. He's omniscient. He knows. Took you to this place uh, last week in John 4 where Jesus is talking to the woman at the well, right? They're having this great conversation and Jesus says, listen, you need some living water. And she goes, you know, tries to go about around about him and they get in a conversation. And in the midst of the conversation, he asks her, listen, go get your husband. She says, I don't have a husband. He says, you're right. You don't have a husband for you've had five husbands. You aren't even married. How does he know that? I mean, they didn't sit down beforehand. She didn't give him a resume and say, now, before we should talk, you should know these things about me. How do you know that? Well, he knew that because he's exactly who Isaiah said he was. He is a mighty God. And if he knows this about this woman, it means he knows already everything you need in your life. He knows every darkness that is trying to overtake you in your life. He knows every weight that seems too heavy in your life right now. He knows. And that's why He came. He is a mighty God. The challenge for us is to understand exactly who He is and let Him be who He is in our life. To understand who He is and who we're not. Which brings us to the place of Jairus. Maybe you remember the story of Jairus and his daughter? It's a profound story about the importance of humility and weakness in our life. The text tells us that Jairus is an important guy. It says, then a leader of the local synagogue. What was he? He was the leader of the local synagogue. This is an important dude. This is an important guy. Everybody looks to him in the community. He is a big influencer. He is prominent. And this prominent, important man goes to Jesus because his daughter is sick and dying. And the text says when he saw Jesus, he what? He fell at Jesus' feet. Do you realize what that cost him? I mean, do you understand what that cost Jairus in that moment? Remember, who was it that was always trying to trap Jesus? Who was it that was always trying to defeat Jesus? What was the scribes and the Pharisees? Where do you suppose those people gathered? 
at the synagogue where he was the big dog. He is sacrificing his reputation. He is sacrificing his influence. He is sacrificing everything that the world would value. And he is becoming absolutely weak and powerless because he knows he needs a mighty God. His daughter is dying. And he can't do anything about it. It's not in him. But he knows it's in Jesus. And so he goes to Jesus. Jesus responds. They start going to the house. Things get delayed. And all of a sudden news comes and says, Jairus, don't bother him. Your daughter's already dead. How's Jesus respond? Hey, let's keep going. It's okay. Don't worry about it. They're wrong. They go to the house. There's weeping, wailing, crying. Jesus says, what are you crying about? And he goes into the little girl's room. And he takes, his, takes her hand and says, little girl, get up. And she gets up out of death. He is who he says he is. He is a mighty God. Do you need a mighty God in your life? Yes, you do. Because you're not. See, the avenue for us is to be what Jairus was. To just be able to empty ourselves, to let all of these burdens, all of the overwhelming things, all of the weights, all of the struggles that seem to rip our lives up, just to be able to bring those to Jesus' feet and be able to say, I can't do it without you because you are a mighty God. You look at Isaiah, 40th chapter, right? Some chapters later from chapter 9, Isaiah says, He gives power to who? You still awake? The weak. Thank you. And he strengthens the... Wow. This is not a comfortable place for us, right? But that's the call. If he's going to be a mighty God, then we have to let him be the mighty God who creates the light in our life and controls the darkness in our life. And we have to be able to empty ourselves and say, we're not. And we need him. And that's why God sent him. Because... God knows exactly what we need. Now, here's the struggle. You ready? Here's the struggle. The struggle is God sends exactly what we need. And when we empty ourselves and we become the weak and we give ourselves and surrender ourselves at the feet of Jesus and we turn all of our life, absolutely everything, over to him so he can bring it into the light, we have to be ready to let mighty God do what mighty God wants to do. You see, you don't get to tell a mighty God what he ought to do and how he ought to do it. Because, after all, he is the mighty God and you are not. So when you surrender it, you've got to surrender it and be able to say, Jesus, whatever it is, you know best. Because he's the mighty God and he is able to do whatever he wants. The good news is, Jeremiah tells us what? Nothing is too hard for him. Nothing is too difficult for him. Nothing means absolutely what? Nothing. There's nothing going on in your life right now. There's absolutely nothing happening in your future. There is nothing that he is not capable of dealing with in your life. But you've got to let him deal with it in his way. Not your way. Because he is mighty God and he gets to do what he wants. 
And so you go into the book of Acts and you hear the story of the early church and, and the experiences of Peter and Paul and the early disciples and how they stood up for the gospel and they went through suffering and they went through challenges. Why? Because they just understood Jesus is Lord and they weren't. And so Peter could stand up before the leaders in the temple and say, listen, you, you didn't understand what you were doing, but he was exactly who Isaiah said he was. He was a mighty God. What's the big message? Think about this. Isaiah tells us he's mighty God. And yet when Jesus came into the world and he grew up, what did this mighty God do? This mighty God did everything he could for your benefit. He's mighty God. And he allowed himself to be whipped and beaten. He is mighty God. And he allowed nails to be driven into his hands and his feet. He is mighty God. And he breathes his last breath with you on his heart and his mind. And he's mighty God. And that's why he walked out three days later to be able to create light in your life. Remember who he is. He is mighty God. And yet this mighty God wanted to make sure that each one of us didn't live like everybody else in the world, didn't live in the darkness, but had incredible lives living in the power of His presence in our life. And so His might was expressed in His power of love for each one of us. This is a mighty God, is it not? That is a mighty God. That mighty God thought more about what our lives could be than his own life. And so we get Paul, one of those guys who experienced the mighty God on the road to Damascus, was totally humbled, right? Blinded and totally humbled and had to give his life absolutely completely to Jesus as Lord. And Paul says, we know, we know this, this is sure. We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. See, when we surrender... We let mighty God take over our life. We let mighty God set our future. Now, the other challenge with that is if you're going to let mighty God take over and let mighty God set the future, you also have to let mighty God decide when is the right time and what he wants to do and when he wants to do it. If you go back to uh, Romans 5, Paul again, Paul says what? When we were utterly helpless, got a theme going here. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came when? Just at the, not any time, not wrong time, just at the right time. Some of you out there may be struggling right now with a heavy weight. And you're saying, Pastor, listen, I, I've surrendered to Christ. I've given this over to Christ, but nothing's happening. Why isn't anything happening? Because it's just not the right time. For, for whatever reason, in God's plan for your future in the light that He wants to create out of your life, it's just not the right time. And the season you're in, this season of struggle, whatever it is that you're going through, you just have to wade your way through it and let Him be mighty God in the middle of it because He's preparing you for another season and this is important for you to go through. And you've got to let Him be mighty God and do what He wants to do in and through your life and let Him do it when He wants, what He wants and when He wants. Paul says to the Corinthians, 
My grace is all you need. He says this to Paul. God says this to Paul. My grace is all you need. My power works best where? In Paul was struggling. He had a thorn in his flesh and he was struggling. And he said, Jesus, why don't you take care of this? And the answer was what? Listen, my grace is sufficient for you. My power works best in weakness. You just need to understand this is for your benefit. That's hard for us to get. But some of us need to go through seasons of challenge and struggle to be able to get to the place that God wants us to get in our life. Maybe it's just not the right time. But it doesn't change that he remains the right person and the right God because he is always mighty God. He is always mighty God. Finished up with Philippians, Paul says, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases who? Not you, but him. Why? Because he's, he's, he's mighty God. Anybody in the house need mighty God? He's in the world. And he came as a baby. And he expressed his mighty power on a cross. And he walked out of a tomb so that he could bring light into your life and overcome the darkness. If you just throw yourself at his feet and say, Jesus, you're Lord. You're mighty God. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning. We want to be like...